Well, our production manager, i.e. me, is off to a fantastic start this evening. Uh, we had a little technical difficulty there on the first uh, live stream. I hit the wrong button, so we had to restart it. But then I played the wrong intro. Uh, and to start this one, I did the football one instead of the basketball one. But I missed a shot. Uh, it should be good for today. How about that? Um, just like, uh, by the way, I'm Evan. If you're joining us for the first time ever, we're actually not this disoriented most of the time um i'm evan this is my brother rustin we are two vol bros who are actually bros uh i love uh rustin's name today shooter shoot never mind please don't <laughs> um tremendous day as far as national landscape of college basketball today they mentioned this on college game day this morning uh there were six games today between ranked teams and so that is a record actually and i thought surely that couldn't be a record but then when you think about it that's half the top 25 is playing each other which is really incredible so really a major day in college basketball all across the country today one of those ranked games was in knoxville although neither team looked like they were a ranked team um you know quick uh, thoughts on today's game and I'll, I'll start with this one because uh here's the deal Florida, the Florida game on Wednesday night, I said, you know what? Florida's the eighth-ranked defense in the country. They're making it difficult for Tennessee to hit shots. And, you know, if that happens one night and the team's playing incredible defense and you don't hit some shots, that's fine. And you can live with that as long as you come back and make it right the next game. Well, it, it's not like Auburn was playing absolutely suffocating defense and stuff. Tennessee had wide-open looks, and just, they couldn't find it. I mean uh, – even even little gimmies at the rim repeatedly missed. They started the game, I think it was like 0 for 6 and, and to start the game. Um, it may have been even more than that. I just counted six. It could have been more. Uh, you, you, that was not good. <laughs> Analysis. Um, like that was that was not a good shooting performance at all by either team. Thankfully for Tennessee, Auburn couldn't hit water if they jumped out of a boat either. And so, you know, both teams struggled so much from the floor. At one point, at one point, there was a graphic that came across the screen that Auburn was shooting 22% from the field. And yet Tennessee was only up by two points at the time, I believe it was. Yeah. Uh, that's not good. Uh, that, that is not good. Um, they, they need to live in the gym this week and get up about 80 bajillion shots between all of them. Um, Zach's here, so I'm talking about Zach. Hey, Zach, I saw your comment on the last one. I, I'm, I'll uh, post a link here. to if, you, if anyone would like to join us on the screen, I'm going to post a link to that just in just a little bit uh, on the comments. But, Rustin, what were your thoughts about tonight? It's always uh, good to get a win, actually. Yeah, it, it's always good to get a win. Um, back to what you were saying originally about six ranked games today, what's amazing about that also is Duke Carolina's today. And that's not in the six. That's a good point. And Kentucky um, and Florida. That wasn't another one either. Right. Which that and then but tonight, oh tonight, Gonzaga at St. Mary's, that's gonna be that's gonna be a good, good basketball game right there. Yeah. Um I mean, it's always good to get a win. Um anyone who's watched this team for the last couple of games should be nervous. Um, you know, in the last two games, we're averaging even 50 points. We have a hundred points in the last two games. Um, we are shooting 27% total from the field and wait for it. 6.5% from three. 
Yes, we are in single digits from three-point percentage. I'm given to understand that is not good. <laughs> no, it is not. Um, Analysis. Two, two for 21 today did not help matters. Um, and and I go back to what I said. I go back to what I said during the Florida game. At what point do you recognize we can't shoot the ball right now, so let's get to the rim as many times as humanly possible I, I, that was that was something that was really, you know, you don't know what's being called. So, you know, you're dealing with 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds. Um, I have to think that Rick Barnes was trying to attack the basket and people were settling. Um, Zakai looked completely discombobulated. He was not comfortable. Um Santiago kept playing sideline to sideline. It wasn't until late in the game they finally started going toward the basket. It was just, you know, a couple of times they tried to post up Julian Phillips. Olivier Kamwa, uh, I, I feel like a broken record. I just, I, I, I don't understand how you can play so well against Texas one week ago and today go four for 16. And yeah. and most of them at point blank range. I mean, there was even late in the second half, yeah. there was even a literal uncontested layup, yeah. and he bricked it. Like he, it I didn't. Think... Go ahead, go ahead. Ugh, just so hard to watch. And, and... well, I, I think the one you just mentioned is there was a tweet that went out. I can't remember who it was from. I should have I should have took a screenshot and put it on the broadcast tonight. But it was a, it was a, it was a still shot of Olivier in the lane with the ball about, mm, I don't know, maybe three, four feet away from the rim, uh, super close to the rim. His man was actually laying on the ground on his back. He had fallen over. Uh, Euros was in the middle of the lane as well with a guy to his left. So there was literally no one between Olivier and the rim. Mm -hmm. And the caption was, he missed this. <laughs> mm -hmm. I was like, Ouch. And, and and not only did he miss it, he missed it badly. I mean, it didn't like sit up on the rim and go down and roll back out. He bricked it. It was at, at some point it was just, it was becoming psychological and I just don't understand. I, I don't understand how you don't just continue to attack the basket, get to the free throw line, quit playing sideline to sideline and just try to win a free throw battle. Um, it yeah. was amazing, but at least and, uh, they got away with a win. I, uh, I appreciate Elijah letting us know that the title actually says Georgia and he is correct. It does say Georgia, <laughs> um, Tennessee actually played Auburn today. Uh, that, that is the thing that happened. And so I'm actually changing it right now. Uh, We've had a I lot of technical difficulties this evening. Yeah. We're rocking and rolling, man, on the Volbros tonight. This is this is awesome stuff. Um, so I appreciate that. It, I think it's updated now. If you were to refresh I, your screen, I think it's updated now. I think I think we're just trying to continue Tennessee's mediocrity. Yeah, there we go. That, it, it's it's a it's a theme show, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're doing a theme tonight. Um, Zach made a good point. He said, you know, uh, we should have been feeding Triple J the whole night because he he did lead us in scoring. Um, but thank you, Elijah. He, he let me know it's an updated. I appreciate that very much. You know, um, they have a quick hitter they run, and I was kind of surprised they only ran it one time for for Josiah. 
and he scored on it. But they have a quick hitter they run where the opposite side wing dives down in the post, then he gets a post-to-post screen from a big man and gets the gets the defender on his back, and they just have a one-on-one isolation in the post. They ran it one time for Josiah. He scored pretty easily, and then they never ran it for him again. Um, it was just well, it was the whole thing was bizarre. Well, and and what you just said about Zakai seeming like he was uncomfortable, I think that's a really good word to use because it was in it was actually the fifth shot of the game that tennis and one of the zero for six start Z took a three from the corner and airballed it way short. Uh, I almost mm-hmm. thought it must have gotten tipped or something. I don't, I don't know if it did or not, but uh, you know, he left that one short. Later on in the second half, he took a three from the the wing, and it almost was an air ball as well. Hit the front of the yep. rim, and then to, to to your point about him not feeling comfortable, you just mentioned quick hitters. And late in the second half, it was late in the second half, they ran that you know oop play for Olivier coming you know off a couple screens and and. Uh, from the top of the key and Zakai threw it from, you know, the, the right wing. It, it wasn't even close to the mm-hmm. rim. Uh, Olivier had to jump, catch the ball, come back down with it and then try to go back up and he didn't make it. And, um, Shocker. You know, that, yeah. But I mean, that was that, that's to your point. I mean, he was not comfortable tonight. Um, that, that was not the normal, normal passes, normal, uh, shooting performance from Zakai. Um, so, I mean, who knows what could have, he could have had an injury that was undisclosed. He could have had an illness that was undisclosed. Who knows? But that, that was not what we normally see out of him. Um, he, definitely said, like, he definitely looked like he had dead legs. Cause that, that one three that he airballed looked bad, but uh, several other shots almost didn't draw rim. They, they were coming yeah. up real short. Elijah said, just wish we'd stop just passing around the three-point line, hoping that someone is open. We need to give it to someone, let them go to work, especially if someone's hot. Um, yeah, I mean, that's fair. Drive, draw, and dish, you know. Uh, attack the rim, draw the defenders, and dump it off. Um, well, Zach made a good point. Well, and, and Auburn's not bad. Auburn was just the worst team in the SEC today. <laughs> Tennessee was very fortunate that there was one team in the SEC worse than them today, and it happened to be the team on the other end of the court. Yeah, both of them just could not shoot the ball well. And, you know, I mean, I would say credit the defenses, but that really, I mean, I don't think that would be an accurate Mm-mm. assessment of today's game. Just both teams couldn't make shots. Um, I mean, the, we the were, fact that the score at halftime was 23 to 19. The two I mean, teams when it combined – the two teams went and combined five for 48 from three. That's not good. <laughs> like, I, I can't even fathom that. Like, you would think, like, the law of averages would kick in at some point. One would just randomly bounce in. It, it was unreal. Yeah, it was, um, it was not a pretty game. That's for sure. That's for sure. Well, having said that, let's go to our, our we, we always talk about our initial reactions and then we give our player of the game and our play of the game. I want to, I want to go first this time. Normally I'm like, you go ahead, Rustin, but I think my player of the game is a really good pick. I, I, I really thought a lot about this. Was and, there more than one? <laughs> well, I, no, I'm confident with my pick and it's probably not who everybody thinks it's going to be. My player of the game was, I don't know the gentleman's name. 
uh, he deserves some kudos today. And that is the shot clock operator inside Thompson bowling arena today, because that poor guy had his work cut out for him <laughs> because every time that ball hit the rim and somebody got a rebound, he had to reset that bad boy. I mean, like, yep. I mean, that was, that was not, uh, that was not a, um, normal, uh, evening on working the shot clock today for that poor guy he that dude earned his money today however much they pay him to run that shot clock he <laughs> earned every penny of it today because i he's mean carpal tunnel after that he's gonna have to have surgery well well think about think about this like just one example how many times down the court and and this is both teams both teams how many times down the court were there a lot of little you know gimmies at the rim and, and, and they would just rim out and just, they jump up and grab an offensive rebound, put it back up. That one would rim off and then get another rebound. He's sitting there having to hit that button every single time, you know, <laughs> that they catch that rebound and, and reset the clock. Um, that dude, he, he earned it, man. That, that is my player. Whoever you are out there, maybe we'll have him <laughs> on the show sometime. Um, kudos to you, sir, or madam, whoever is running that shot clock. Cause you, you did a great job today. They took a really long nap this afternoon. Yeah. Um, so I had two honorable mentions. And honestly, looking back at the box score, I kind of wish they had gotten more minutes. Now that I see it live, um, their plus or minus for their minutes were both really, really high. Um, but Jemai Meshack and Tobey Awaka both, I thought, gave really good minutes. Um, I thought I thought Jemai needed the ball in his hands more. He, you know, the few times that he he got the ball and that t- again attacked the basket, the one yep. guy who was attacking the basket, um, you know, so Jemai Elijah went, agrees with you and Zach both agree with you. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Jemai scored four points and had three rebounds in seven minutes. He might have been the most productive guy on the court today. Um. I, I don't know. I just, I don't get it. I, I don't, I, I know it's, it's hard when you're coaching, it's hard not to ride with your guys, but at some point you have to look at them and go, dude, if you're not going to play today, we got others. And, and especially when they go in and produce like Jemai deserved more minutes today. He played hard and did a good job. Tobe Awaka, when, when Olivier was just completely a wall, there was about a five-minute span there where Tobey Awaka kept us in the game because Olivier was bleeding it away with bricks. So those, I thought those two played extremely well. Um, well, to really, your point there, our, Rustin and I, our whole lives, we heard this from our dad, we heard it from other coaches, um, it's not who starts the game, it's who ends the game. Mm-hmm. And who was in the game at the end of the game? Tobey Awaka was in there. Well, not the last possession. Um, well, but like the last minute and a half. Yeah, he was in the game. The like he, you know, he missed those which, free throws there at the end. But, but he was in. I'll, he was in there. Which shows we need that, to talk. We need to talk about the last possession in a second because I got a whole other rant yeah. on that. But um, I want to talk about the next to last possession where they panicked like a middle school team when they were pressing. That's yeah. what I want to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, I thought Jemai and Tobey both played extremely well, um, probably deserved even more minutes than they got. Um, but I don't know how you pick anybody other than Josiah because if, the Josiah, if Josiah doesn't play well today, we lose by 10 or 12. Oh, yeah, no doubt. You're right. Yeah. 
Um, you know, he had a double double, 15 points, 14 rebounds. He literally there were moments in that game where he basically said, We're not losing, and I'm I'm gonna win this right now. Yeah. Um so bad. So I'm gonna while we're talking about our play of the game, because I have a very well, I thought I had my play of the game picked, and then something else happened a little bit after, and I was like, Oh, now I got two. Um, so while we're talking about that, I'm going to go ahead and post in the comments, the link to join us on screen, if you'd like to. Uh, so that is now, um, in the comments on YouTube and Facebook, assuming that I accidentally actually hit the right button, which I think I did. Apparently I'm struggling with that tonight. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to post it on Twitter as well. And so now anybody who wants to join us can. Uh, Rustin, you want to give your play of the game first? You want me to? Um, Vescovy's four-pointer. Um, it was the difference in the game. Happened with two and a half minutes left. I mean, the reality is this. If he doesn't hit that shot, we lose. That, that game's a loss. Oh, yeah. So, for sure. you know, you, you almost have to give it to that. Uh, your screen's celebrating Mardi Gras again with the green and purple there. <laughs> Uh, Rustin will come right back. He that happened to him the other night too. Um, so yeah, so people are agreeing with Rustin. Uh, Elijah Moore, he said, uh, Vescovy's four pointer. Yep, that that was. He agrees as well. Um, so my when that four point play happened, that was my play of the game initially. Uh, however, then. When Z got fouled with, I don't know, maybe like 10 seconds left. I can't remember exactly, nine or 10 seconds. Yeah. Uh, when Tennessee got the ball back, um, he went to the free throw line and made both free throws. Talk about clutch. That was a clutch two free throws right there. Yeah, and, and especially, do you realize he was 0 of 10 from the floor? Like He did not make a shot today. So for him to go to the free throw line and knock down both of those free throws, because, you know, anybody who's ever played knows if you're 0 for 10 from the field, that's in your head. Yeah. So for him to go up there and knock down both those free throws was a big deal. Um, here's why that's so encouraging. If you're a Tennessee fan, here's why you should be so encouraged by this guy hitting those two free throws. I know already a lot of people are talking about March and, you know, the inconsistency of Tennessee's offense is going to be their demise in March. And I get that. I totally understand that. And Elijah said, yeah, I was surprised considering he didn't make a shot. Yeah. Um, the one of the most important elements to winning a game in March is having a point guard who makes free throws down the stretch. Yeah. Because if you are ever in the lead and teams have to start fouling you to stop the clock, your point guard has to be able to convert. If he doesn't, then he's a liability because teams will want to foul him knowing they're going to get the ball back with time no, not coming off the clock. So that is a vitally important element of any team's success in March. So that should be encouraging to us tonight that we saw Zakai, having not made a field goal the whole night, step up to the free, th or free throw line with 10 seconds left with essentially the game on the line and he buries both of them. That is a huge deal. That is something very positive we can take away from tonight. 
Uh, Zach is going to join us on the screen here. Zach, how you doing tonight, buddy? Uh, better than I was the other night. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you, man. So tell us your just tell us your thoughts about tonight, man. Uh, well, just like I was just saying, even though we just scored forty-six points, it was still a win. It was ugly, but it was a win. So that that's what you need to take it out from it. And everybody played hard. I, I knew once we got this game started, it was going to be a hard physical game. And Euros, um, start to finish, set the tone from that. So I'm very happy with that. And it, it, it was a great win for us. I agree totally. I agree. Um, so we had a question here from Elijah. And Rusty, I want to talk about it too. So, uh, Zach, before you go, I want to hear your opinion on this as well. And then Rustin and I will, will give our opinion too. And then we're actually going to come back to Zach's question at the end of the show tonight. Cause he asked a really good question about, you know, rivalries in, in college sports. It was a great question actually. Um, so Elijah asked real question. What do you think about the whole end of the game? No call. So Zach, let's hear your opinion. What, what do you think about that? Oh, uh, I, I left my comment in the chat. It was a block. I'm totally, I mean, I thought his, he kicked his leg out. And if you kick your leg out and he leaned backwards, it's totally a flop. And they had no reason to um, complain about it. So it was a white call, in my opinion. I like it. I like it. Well, Zach, you're the man, dude. We love it when you join us. Um, I hope you keep keep on the show with us because we're going to come back to your question here in a little bit at the end. I think it'll be a great conversation with everybody. So we appreciate yeah, you joining us on screen again, man. Yeah, I'll be here. Awesome. Appreciate you, buddy. Bye-bye. We love it when Zach joins us. That's awesome. Rustin, what's your opinion on the on the no call? And then I'll give my opinion. Or do you want me to go first? I'll go first. I'm going to go, go first. I'll go first. All right. So last play of the game. Here's okay. I will give I will give credit to Olivier in this. He did a tremendous job of selling his vertical position when he made a unwise decision. I'll put it that way, because you can talk to 10 different people about tonight and five of them are going to say it was a foul and five of them are going to say it was not a foul. Um, the reason that people are saying it was a foul are saying it was a foul was because of the cylinder rule in basketball. Uh, a offensive player is supposed to have a, he has an imaginary cylinder around him. That is his space. And within that cylinder, he is supposed to be able to initiate a basketball move, including shooting the ball. And so the question becomes at what point did Olivier enter that guy's vertical oriented cylinder of space and if you go back and you watch the replay i think that he probably entered it after he shot the ball um but you gotta understand something that's when i'm looking at the play in like super slow motion you know what i'm saying the officials are watching this full speed in the heat of the moment in real time that is an unbelievably difficult call. Either way you go, 
I do not envy the officials at all on that call because they really they could have called it either way. And either way, the, the SEC officiating office is going to back them up on it because literally, literally it could have gone either way. But I think the fact that Olivier sold it so well of, of staying vertical, that's why it wasn't called. Did the guy kick his leg out? Oh, my goodness, yes. He absolutely did. And, of course, he did. He should have. He's a, he's a shooter. Shooters are taught to do that. If a guy's near you and you're shooting a three, you kick your leg out and let him hit you and you fall down. Vescovy had done it like 30 seconds earlier and got a four-point play out of it. And so um, if you're a shooter, you are looking for contact after you shoot the ball to try and draw a foul. That's exactly what the guy did. Bruce Pearl would be proud of the fact that the guy kicked his leg out and tried to. Now, what I think the guy did that was to his detriment was not only did he kick his leg out, if you go back and look, once again, I'm, I'm watching it in super slow motion and we see this, but he actually tried to like wrap his leg around Olivier to really sell it. And he landed flat on his back, which thankfully the dude's okay and didn't hit his head on the ground. But um, I think the ref was, I think he'd actually hurt himself by making it look worse than it was. And that's why the ref was like, nah, that's a flop and didn't call it. But did Olivier foul the guy? I'll put it to you this way. How, t- how tall is Olivier? 6'10"? Is he 6'10 or 6'9"? I think he's yeah, 6'10". In that ballpark. Yeah, I think he's 6'10". How tall was the dude shooting the ball? Like 6'3"? No, Wendell's 6' even at best. 6 foot. Yeah, six exactly. Four. Like way shorter than, than Olivier, right? So instead of standing up vertically going straight up, Oh, he's 5'11". Thank you very much. So so dude that shot the ball, Elijah said is 5'11". All right. Yeah. So Olivier had a straight-up foot on the dude in height. When you add in wingspan, that's even more. Why was he even that close to the guy to begin with? That's my question. That was not a smart play. He should have gone straight up from about six or seven inches away from the dude so as not to even be close to drawing a foul and jump up vertically with his hands instead of staying a flat, you know, flat foot and barely on his toes going straight up. He should have elevated to alter the guy's shot instead of being up on him like that. So that you don't even, you don't even give the official a chance to call a foul on you in that situation. Why even give him a chance back off the dude, just go up, get in his way to alter his shot. If he, if the 5'11 dude makes a three from six feet behind the three-point line over a guy who's a foot taller than him, kudos to that guy. They deserve overtime. But you don't get up on him, like in his up in his cylinder. And oh, uh, Zach said he's 6'8. All right, so almost a foot on the guy. Um, you know, you don't get up and even give the ref a chance to call a foul. That was my issue with it. I was like, why is he up that close to him anyway? But that's that, that was my opinion. What do you think? In the first half, Urosh got a technical for making a your small gesture to a guy he scored on. Who, by the way, two possessions earlier made the exact same gesture at Olivier and got away with it. But we're not going to focus on that. Um, <laughs> it's February. Conference refs have had multiple meetings. They have been warned about certain guys. Urosh has a reputation. 
Oh, he's got a target on his back, no if, doubt. Yeah. If he if he makes even the slightest movement or gesture from this point forward, it will be a technical. So everybody just yep. needs to get their mind wrapped around that. It's coming. But other players have reputations too. And Zach said it a second ago. Wendell does that all the time. Total flop. <laughs> Wendell Green, every time he shoots the ball, kicks his feet out pretty dramatically and flops. Just like as, the officials as, as shooters are taught to do now. Right. But his is very pronounced. His is, mm-hmm. his is a little overboard. Um, just like the officials have been warned that Urosh is a problem and to team up fast to get control. They've also been warned that Wendell Green's a flopper and, you know, it got called on him earlier in the game. He, he did it at one point there early in the second half. They called the intentional flop, gave us free throw on the ball so it's already in the refs' minds that they're watching for this on him. Now, the last play was 100% a foul. No question. It doesn't matter that Olivier was straight up and down. If you watch it, he walks under. His feet never stop moving. When he closes out to the shooter, his feet never stop moving and he walks under the shooter. The shooter, it, the cylinder rule means that he has to be able to go straight up and come straight down. If you watch where Olivier starts and where he finishes, he is well under Wendell Green when Wendell Green comes down. It's a foul a hundred out of a hundred times. Tennessee got lucky. Elijah agrees with you. Yeah. Tennessee got lucky and had an official standing right there who has been warned that Wendell Green's a flopper. And so he let it go. And it's hard to call in real time, but it's it was pretty obvious Olivier walked under him. That, that absolutely happened. Yeah. Um, so Tennessee got lucky. It doesn't matter if he's jumping forward. It's, it's where his feet start. It's where his feet start. Oh, he was, he was talking about Olivier. Yeah, he was talking about Olivier was also jumping forward towards the guy not just straight up and down. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's 100% a foul, but here's the bigger question. Let's back, let's backtrack 16 seconds or not even that eight seconds. We have one timeout left. Zakai Ziegler hits both free throws. We're now up by three with one timeout left. Why did we not burn that timeout and get our five best defenders on the floor? Yeah. Why is Olivia even out there? He has no business being on the court in that moment because our five best defenders are probably Zakai, Santiago, Jemai Meshack, Josiah James, and Julian Phillips, our five guards. So we're going to switch every screen and we're going to force them to attack the basket because if they want a two, they can have a two. That's fine. We'll give it to them. Right. So why is Olivia even in the game? Now, I don't blame Rick Barnes for that because for for everybody who, um, now he probably should have recognized it and gotten him out, but for everybody who doesn't understand how game planning works at that level, there's an assistant coach who's assigned to the offensive scout and the defensive scout for every single game. So either Justin Ganey or Rod Clark was assigned to be the defensive scout for that game. They create the entire scouting report, and whatever they say is what we do. 
one of them, whoever had the defensive scout, should have gone get Olivier off the floor. Like, this is crazy. Our best defender, hands down, best defender on the entire team is Jemai Meshack, and he's sitting on the bench. Yeah. And Olivier yeah. should have cost us the game. We are very, very fortunate that the league has told the officials, be watching for Wendell Green. He's a flopper. Zach said, he said, well, we got some bad calls too. One had to go our way. <laughs> yep. I agree. And he said, Big O needs to play Texas again. <laughs> um, let's. I want to go back to the play. And I'm gonna I think go we need to go to back to Texas and try and find Olivier because apparently we left <laughs> him there. Um, I'm going to go back to, we talked about the, the inbounds play. How many seconds was there? 16 seconds, I think, when we yep. inbounded the ball. And um, yeah, because it went down to 13. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. And so we inbounded the ball 16 seconds to the, the, the short corner of the court, immediately get trapped. And uh, first of all, okay, no, 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 no. We call the timeout. We had three timeouts when that ball became ours. We call mm-hmm. the first one. We go over and drop a play. That was the worst inbounds play I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it was it was a gimmick and it and, did not work. No. And and what made it worse was they were jogging through it. They weren't even yeah. running full speed. I was like, what is happening right now? No one's yeah. you're not Auburn knows they have to deny the pat they're going to be playing their butts off trying to deny the pass and we're moving half speed through it. You're not going to get open moving half speed in that situation. I don't yeah. know what in the world that was. So we had to call timeout to not get five seconds called on us. And, and even in that situation, Zakai wasn't even inbounding the ball. <laughs> and I'm like, why is, or he was inbounding the ball. I'm like, why is our point guard inbounding the ball? We should be inbounding the ball and, to him. And, and when Olivier or when Rick Barnes was granted the timeout, the ball had just gotten into Olivier almost 90 feet from the basket. Like what, what in the world? Yeah. So I, I don't know why our point guard was inbounding the ball to people who are not ball handlers, but um, in that pressure situation like that, but so anyway, so we get the ball uh, back. We we run the next play. Ball pass to the short corner. We get trapped. Jemai's falling out of bounds. He makes a one-handed pass back to Josiah, which amazingly, you know, worked out. Um, or no, it was Julian Phillips. That's who it was. Julian yeah. was falling out of bounds. And he makes a one-handed pass back to Josiah. He catches it. And instead of immediately – this this was the part that blew my – he's a, a – what He's like 27. I mean, um, I mean, in all seriousness, I think he's 23, 22 or 23. And so this, this veteran player, for some reason, against the press, did not reverse the ball to the other side of the court, to our, our open point guard. Which was also his stronghand side. He's left-handed. Yeah, exactly. That's a good point. So why he did not do that? I don't know. I have no idea. But instead, we have Julian, who's now out of bounds in the corner, with Vescovy about 10 feet away from him. Great spacing, by the way, on the press break. Uh-huh. And so Vescovy's like 10 feet away from him. So we, we pass it to him. Well, of course he's going to be trapped because the two guys who were just trapping Julian Phillips are standing right there. Yep. And so, all I mean, clearly he gets trapped. Um, 
and people are saying, well, he got pushed. Yeah, he did. But in that situation, he shouldn't have even had the ball. No. And when, and when he is, when they're trapping him like that, they're, they're, they're just not going to call that a, a, a slight, you know, bump or something in that situation. Cause they didn't call it on, you know, Olivier at the end of the game either, but, um, the ball went out on him. It's their ball. I mean, like as soon as that ball, you're taught in middle school, not to, I, I, I coach my son's 10 year old YMCA league basketball team. <laughs> and in this league, when there's less than two minutes left in the game, you can press the other team. And we've had like practices about how to not panic when you have the ball and they're trapping you. They're 10 <laughs> in the YMCA league. And, and we talk about when you have the ball, you're in control, not the other team. They're not in control. When you have the ball, you're in control of the game. And so they can be pressuring you, whatever you're in control. You fake a pass and then you make a pass. That's how you pass around a defender. And so, but once again, as soon as Josiah caught the ball back in the middle of the court, he should have immediately swung it to the opposite side of the court to our point guard who had no one in front of him who could have gotten the ball across half court before the 10 seconds. That was a really sad three seconds worth of basketball right there. Well, and to make matters worse, when he swung it back to Santi, and Santi got trapped. As soon as he recognized they weren't going to foul him and he had nowhere to go, he had a timeout. Yeah, call timeout. Yeah. And instead, he's trying, I don't know what in the world he was trying to do. And it goes yeah. off his leg. And it's like, the, these are veteran guys. Like, how, how, yeah. how are we making these mistakes? Yeah, that was probably the most frustrating five seconds of the whole night in my opinion yeah because it i mean yeah shots weren't going down obviously that's frustrating but that was frustrating because no joke that's you practice that in middle school basketball Mm -hmm. um you break a press by having somebody in the middle of the court flashing across the middle of the court you get the ball to the middle of the court and now you have the whole court to work with there was nobody in the i'm wondering if that's where santi was supposed to be because there was nobody in the middle of the court uh, instead we had two guys on the same sideline, which I, I don't get that. Um, that based was on, based on where Julian was. I'm, I'm betting that was Julian's mistake because there is no such thing as a press breaker that tells you to go sprint to the corner. Yeah. So yeah. I'm betting it was Julian screwed up and he was in the wrong place and it just destroyed everything. Yeah. It was not a, it was not a, a beautiful few seconds of basketball um zach made a good point he said have we found tyreek key yet <laughs> where in the world is he for that whole that yeah i mean seriously i mean we he was brought to tennessee to be a score they need him to be a score uh elijah said we need gonzaga to preseason tyreek key back absolutely what do you have He's like 28 a, or 29 they, in that game? they gotta give yeah he had 29 they gotta give him a chance though he only got eight minutes yeah. tonight and he scored in those eight minutes, which, I mean, again, if you look at plus or minus, his plus and minus was probably pretty good compared to some of the others. Well, um, if anybody's putting the ball through the rim on a night like tonight, you got to keep him in the game. Yeah, he actually hit a shot. So yeah. immediately <laughs> he's, he's ahead of everybody else at that yeah. point. Feed that guy. <laughs> um, it's, it's sad when somebody hits a shot and you're like, ooh, he's the hot one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we say that in my wild MCA team, a 10-year-old sometimes. <laughs> 
Um, Zach's made a good point. Yeah, when when Zakai was inbounding the ball, the shortest guy on our team, we had inbounding the ball. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good, that's a valid point. Uh, you know, we're we're taking our ball handler off the court and letting him inbound the ball to people who are not the ball handlers that he is. So that wasn't that wasn't a good. And you'll notice when they came back out of that timeout, he wasn't throwing the ball in anymore. Instead, we had no. Josiah, which Josiah should have been throwing it in the first time. But, or Olivier. Get the yeah, non-shooter exactly. off the court, the guy who can see over the top of the entire defense, and let yeah. him throw it in yeah. if he's got to be out there. So, fortunately, Vols uh, sneak out a win today, and I think that's a fair assessment to say they snuck out a win. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that's a fair assessment. So, let's go back. I said we were going to go back to Zach's question because I think this is a really good question. That was actually something I was thinking about earlier today. So... Zach said, well, hang on. We just got a comment. Hey, we got Rob. Welcome, Rob. Here, I'm going to put Rob's comment up here. Uh, Euros was just providing that guy some friendly advice, reminding the guy how incredibly small he is. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It was, it was, it was all, all in you know, positive, pure motives. That's exactly right. <laughs> I my, like issue, my issue was literally the entire league makes that gesture every single night. And oh, yeah. and a player for their team, two possessions before that, made that exact gesture at Olivier, but somehow because Urosh did it, it's a technical. Makes yeah. no sense. So Zach's question, because there there were a lot of rivalry games tonight. Zach said, with Duke North Carolina playing today, question: What is the best rivalry in sports? Is it Duke Carolina or something else? Now, this is difficult. I actually was thinking about this very thing earlier today. I think easily, and I don't think this is debatable, the biggest rivalry in college basketball is Duke, North Carolina. And I don't, I don't see any way anybody can argue that. Um, I think Seth Greenberg put it perfectly this morning on college game day when he, he was saying the same thing. He said, this is the biggest rivalry in college basketball. And he said, think about this. This is one of the only games of the whole year that you don't even have to use full names to talk about who played in this game throughout its history. He said, you know, and, and who coached in this game throughout history. He's like, you know, you got Dean K J will JJ, uh, MJ, uh, Vince. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, you, you know, you could go down this laundry list. If you want to use last names, you could say Battier, brand McLeod, worthy i mean like it's just it's it's mind-boggling and the fact that they're separated by eight miles in a shade of blue the g the geography of it 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 is easily the best rivalry in college basketball i don't see how anybody can argue that now here's where it gets more interesting in my opinion well before we go on would you agree it's the best rivalry in college basketball i think it's the best rivalry in sport and so here's here's where I think it gets a little bit more of a difficult, difficult discussion. Is it the best rivalry in all of college sports? I mean, it's right and up so, there with Auburn and LSU gymnastics. Well, of course, absolutely. Um, and so, <laughs> you know, when you think about college sports, no, no college sport has a bigger following than college football. It's just the way it is. Uh, And, okay, let's keep going back to college game day because I think that's a great example. You know, it's really interesting. 
to, to, well, let's go back to last week. We'll use Tennessee. We'll just speak about Tennessee. Last week, Tennessee's playing Kentucky. College game day's on campus for it. And if you saw the, the, the big shot of TBA, there was only, I mean, part of the lower bowl behind the, the, the setup there and a little bit up into the, the second level. That was it. That was the only people there. For college game day when football's in town, I mean, my goodness, how, there, what, 20, 25,000 people all over campus for college, you know, on set, they're crammed in there like sardines. It'd be interesting if to see if you could take the people who are on set behind them and put them in TBA to see how the crowds compared. But I would venture to guess that the crowd in the, if you take that, it would be more for football than it would be for basketball. And so it's a really interesting nuanced question because I think you could make the case that Duke Carolina is the greatest rivalry in college sports, but is it as significant as college football rivalries since football is such a more dominant as far as like money-making and national coverage is it? So I don't know. I, I think that, you know, you'd have to have Michigan, Ohio state football in there. Yep. You'd have to have Alabama, Auburn football in there. I, now I'm going to ruffle some feathers here. I do think if you look at Alabama, Auburn football and Duke Carolina basketball, I don't think you, I don't think that's a contest. I think Duke Carolina basketball is a bigger rivalry than Auburn, Alabama football. Um, yeah. Because for so many it's more, more reasons, national. But, yeah. But I mean, like, and even with coach K and Roy Williams, you know, that was when they were coaching against each other and coach K and Dean, you know, when they were coaching against each other, that rivalry, the respect that the coaches had for each other in that rivalry, that was another element that, you know, these other ones that like, for example, I mean, Dean and coach K they're there forever at both schools. Roy Williams, same thing. They're there forever. That adds to that rivalry. Yeah. Whereas in football, you know, you could have a, a coach coming in and out multiple times within a decade. Hey, we know that right at Tennessee. And so the fact that it's the longevity of those coaches as well and the success of those coaches, I mean, you're looking at, a, you know, six final or uh, six national championships for uh, Carolina, five for Duke. Um, you know, of the last 40 national championships, they've won 10 of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just the, the amount of final fours between the two. My top, I don't know. That's, that's my, tough, top that's four, my top four just in sports in general would be Duke Carolina just because of the sheer hatred that was in it for so long. And I mean, there, you can think about all the images from games where guys are leaving the floor with just blood pouring down their face. Yeah, Eric Montross. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, that, that there were so many instances of that because those two teams just hate each other. Um, yeah. You know, so I'd have Duke Carolina number one. I'd have Michigan, Ohio State number two. I'd have um, Lakers, Celtics number three, and mm-hmm. Red Sox, Red Sox, Yankees number four. And that, so Zach said, you know, I bleed orange, but I love Warrior Williams. And he said, how can you beat the Red Sox Yankees? And I'm a Braves fan. And I get that too. 
um, yeah, I mean that, so that's another thing if we, cause I was just thinking college sports. If we start, start bringing in pros, well, then you got to think about Red Sox, Yankees. You got to think about, uh, like you said, like or Celtics. Um, it, it was short lived, but in the nineties, you had to mention bulls pistons, you know, yeah. in the nineties, uh, it was short lived. It was only about a five year stretch there where it was meaningful. And so that would be, you know, that's another element of this. You'd have to, to bring into the, the play is how meaningful are the games over the course of the longevity of it? You know, is it just a five-year flash in the pan thing or is it decades upon decades like Yankees, Red Sox or Duke Carolina or Michigan, Ohio state, um, you know, Alabama, Auburn, that's been significant really since the sixties and seventies. So that's, that's, you know, and more seventies, but really in the eighties is really when, you know, it became serious, serious, serious. But so, I mean, like that's, you know, well, with Bo Jackson, that was a huge deal when he entered that rivalry. So man, that's a great question. Uh, that, that's a really good question. Um, Zach said, Michael Jordan still hates the Pistons. Yeah. Especially Isaiah Thomas. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, exactly right. Uh, Tennessee versus Bama. Okay, I'm glad you said that because here's reality of the situation. And I'm sure all the people watching this right now already know this, but for anybody in the interwebs who comes across this, this video and you make it to this point in the video, just so we're clear, the SEC was formed for Alabama and Tennessee. Just so yeah. we're clear, like that was the deal. Uh, there's still a plaque at the hotel in Knoxville where the conference was officially formed and it was formed for those two schools because they were the perennial powers in football. And so that's why the SEC was formed. Why do people think it wasn't luck of the draw? Why do people think that the permanent crossover between the divisions when the divisions were made in 92, why do people think that Tennessee and Bama were the permanent crossover? Yeah. Because that was, the rival, the premier game for decades, decades in the, in the sec, they were the reason the sec was formed and people today don't get that because we just lived through the decade of dysfunction and stuff like that. And so you tell that to people who are, you know, under 15 years old today. And they're like, no, man, that's not, no, that's really the case. You know, uh, that's why, Hey, if you missed our show with Mark Nagy from Friday, go check that out yesterday. (laughs) <laughs> we got my days away from me there. Uh, go check that out. That was a fascinating conversation. But Tennessee Bama, that was a robbery. And I'm going to tell you all something that I love Josh Heupel about. I love Josh Heupel for this. As all the talk about the, the schedule changes for the SEC football teams and everything are, is coming up, which, by the way, now, I don't know if anybody saw this, but it looks like it's definitely going to be 2025, not 2024 now. Uh, that news came out. It was either late last night or this morning. I can't remember. I think it might have been this morning. Uh Texas and Oklahoma were pushing to enter the league in 2024. And that's pretty much done now. It's not going to happen. It's not, it's not going to work out. So um, it's going to be 2025 when Texas and Oklahoma enter the SEC. I saw that come across the newsfeed. I think it was this morning. So mm-hmm. what that means is, you know, here's the, here's the SEC. Well, and, the, and Zach's right because, you know, people under the age of 15 is all they know is losing because that's, that's exactly right until last season. That's exactly right. And so, he's talking about Tennessee fans. And so when you think about the, the schedule potential options, 
it seems like the most commonly promoted one now is the nine and three schedule alignment. You got nine conference games and three out of conference games. That's it. sounds like that's what they're going to. Mm-hmm. And in that there's going to be in your nine games, you're going to have three permanent opponents. That's the best you're word I guess. Essentially you're essentially your pod. Exactly. So you got three permanent opponents and, and the other six are on a rotational basis every year. So Josh Heupel was asked before this season even started, it may have been at SEC media days, come to think of it, but he was asked if, if they go to the nine and three with three permanent opponents and six rotating opponents, who would you want your three opponents to be? Without hesitation. He said, well, I mean, obviously we want to keep that rivalry with Alabama. That was the first school he mentioned. And I was like, boo, yeah, man. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> that pumped me up without hesitation. And he was like, well, obviously you want to keep the rivalry with Alabama. And then he said, after that, I think you look at geography and Kentucky, or he said in Vanderbilt being our in-state school and then Kentucky being the next closest school to their campus. And so <laughs> I like Zach's opinion too. Zach said, I want Georgia, Bama, Florida. <laughs> I love it. And now for strength of schedule, that'd be good for consistently making it to the playoff that may not be the best route but i do love like the attitude of bring it on baby i like that that's good um but you know i think also there's there's credence to the saban mentality of schedule as many fcs opponents as you can because ultimately all that matters is wins um so you know i love i loved though that and hey i'd be totally fine with those three Bama, Vanderbilt, and Kentucky. Let us play Vanderbilt and Kentucky every day. Use that geography to our advantage there, right? Um, but I love the fact that the first – and remember, remember – <laughs> he's a white face rust with a laughing emoji. <laughs> so so – one, Because one other option that's on the table is that you have a pod and you have those three games permanently and then to maintain some of those natural rivals – you have one permanent crossover and then you have um, four or five rotating games. Um, so if, if that ends up being the option, I'm fine with Bama being the permanent crossover, but I would love for our three permanent games to be South Carolina, Kentucky and Vanderbilt. Um, Cause <laughs> I would really like for our three permanent games to be three wins every year. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. All that matters is wins. You know, Reed Carringer, he's one of the writers for football time magazine. Uh, he's one of the guys who helped start Rocky top insider. And he repeatedly, repeatedly on their podcast all the time for years. And this was several years ago, cause he's not in it now, but uh, he would always say, Hey, all that matters is wins. It doesn't matter who you play. If you don't lose, they're not going to drop you in the rankings, you know? Right. Uh, and so look at Michigan and Ohio state. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, schedule as many cupcakes as you can. Cause all that matters are the tally marks in the win column. That's it. That's all that matters. Yep. And so that, that'll be interesting to see what ends up happening um, in, in that situation. I love the fact that, you know, Josh Heupel. And remember when he said that they hadn't beaten Alabama yet. He had not yet beaten Alabama when he made that comment and he didn't shy away from it at all. He was like, give us Bama every year. And I was like, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. That's what the SEC was made for. Well, that was a fun conversation. I got fired up on that one. 
Um, he said, don't tell South Carolina fans that I'm going to Tennessee, South Carolina game next year. Oh man, that's going to be awesome. What an atmosphere that'll be. That Tennessee, South Carolina game is going to be an incredible atmosphere. Uh, that's a good one. Ah, that's a, that's going to be good. I hope you have fun at that one. I'd love to be there. That'd be amazing. Um, well, Rustin, you got any last uh, comments about our game, the basketball game today? Not my 10-year-old's YMCA game, but uh, the the Tennessee Volunteers game. <laughs> um, ten- Tennessee's back on the court next Wednesday. Is that correct? Yeah, that's what I was just looking at. Um, Who is that, Vandy? Yeah, it's Vandy Wednesday night at Vanderbilt. Um, hopefully, we can right the ship. That can be a get-right game. The only problem is that place is a really difficult place to shoot. And Unless you're the Crimson Tide. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, no, that game was at Alabama. Um, oh, it was? Oh, okay. Yeah, I was thinking that was but, at Vanderbilt. My bad. <laughs> you know, that place is a really hard, hard place to shoot. Who knows? We're so bad shooting right now. It might actually correct our shot, but um, it, hopefully that's a get right game because um, next Saturday is Missouri. Hey, Missouri's and, good. And we need that win. Um, that, is, is that at Missouri or Thompson? Bowling? No, it's at Thompson bowling. Oh, good. Um, good. If, if we beat Missouri next Saturday, that pretty much solidifies are standing in the SEC and most likely puts us squarely in the conversation for a one seed. Um, that's pretty good. I like that, Zach. <laughs> I hope that's true. For whatever reason, he always seems to dial up lots of really nice quick hitters and gives us fits. Um, so hopefully Wednesday night can be a get-right game and it can be a good one to build on for next Saturday and we can get two wins and really solidify that one seed. Yeah, I mentioned Jerry Stackhouse there. That goes back to our question. That goes back to our question earlier about best rivalry in sports. I mean, that Stackhouse under the rim dunk on the reverse dunk on the other side of the rim in Cameron is a highlight that gets played every year. You think about that, the Capel brothers, they played on different teams in the rivalry. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. Jeff and Chris Capel. And then you got, you know, the, the half court shot to send in a double overtime. Man, that's just, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of plays in that one that are, that are prominent, prominent. And let's see, mm-hmm. I think our losses are too much for our one. So yeah, I mean, I agree. Yeah. I think I don't know. Um, I think people are going to keep losing. I mean, three of the top six teams in America lost this week. Well, yeah. So, I mean, so number one, number one lost today, Purdue, they lost to Indiana. But right. it's only their second loss. So even though it's only their second loss, they're still going to be a one number one on Monday when the AP poll comes out. I'm just saying, I, I think it's going to keep shuffling. And yeah. and if you can stay in that top five conversation, Stackhouse, I think it'll <laughs> I think it'll shuffle enough that um you know you can be in the conversation for one of those one seeds because the reality is this: four teams haven't separated themselves as okay. Those are the clear four number one seeds. No so doubt, that is exactly can, right. So if we can just stay up in that top five or six, our strength of schedule is better than most everybody else up there. And, you know, if we can just kind of stay in that conversation, I think there's a, a good chance there. 
So Virginia Tech beating Virginia tonight helped out Tennessee a lot. Yep. Because uh, Virginia Tech was ranked number six, I believe. Or no, excuse mm-hmm. me, Virginia was ranked number six. And Virginia Tech beat them. They, Virginia Tech was unranked, 13-9. and nine, And they couldn't miss, buddy. They, they were shooting the lights out. Well, and, and a lot so, of people were saying a lot of people are saying Kansas was going to jump in the top five, and then they lost by fifteen to Iowa State today. So they're definitely not jumping into the top five. Yeah. Uh, so I think if you looked at the at the national landscape right now, Rustin, I think what he just said was an excellent point. What four teams have separated themselves? Oh, totally agree. Yeah, totally agree. Kansas shouldn't have lost. But, I mean, Iowa State's good, but um, but so has everyone else. You know, Virginia Kansas, lost to Virginia Kansas Tech just today. Lost to Iowa State. Yeah. Virginia lost to Virginia Tech. Purdue lost to Rutgers. Yeah, there's there's bad losses for everybody. Houston Houston has lost a couple of games to teams they never should have lost to. It's 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 still an open door. Um, that's a, that's a, but but I totally understand what you mean. We've lost to some. We shouldn't have lost to Florida. Like we shouldn't have lost to them. Uh, that's a good point. Um, yeah, he's right. We got, we got three other teams only have one. Um, but this isn't, this isn't football. Like win loss record isn't as important here. They, they put as much, they put as much, if not more stock and strength of schedule than they do win loss. I think it's good that we, we have a win over Kansas in our, Mm -hmm. in our belt. Cause that would be a, you know, a rival for a one seed there. Um, I don't think, I mean, it's good that we beat Cam's or Texas, obviously, but I don't think Texas is in a position where they were going to be even considered for a one seed. But Kansas was, and so that's a good win for us to have that win under our belt. But, you know, speaking um, of Texas, Texas beat number seven Kansas State tonight. Well, that's There you go. Um, let's go back to Rustin's question a minute ago, because or what he said, because I think that's a, a good barometer for us to use for the rest of the year. He said, what four teams have separated themselves from the rest of the pack? Now, Purdue, they're going to be a one seed. They're going to be a lock. I mean, like, that's just the way it is. Sure. Uh, they could they could lose in the first round in the Big Ten tournament, and they're still going to be a one seed. I mean, that's just the way it is. They are the only team in America right now that pretty much has a one seed wrapped up, unless, like, something crazy happens and they lose every game from here on out, which I, that's, that's not going to happen. After Purdue... Alabama's probably the next team you would say has a one seed firmly in their grasp if they just handle their business and do what they should do the rest of the season. Um, yeah, and Elijah just said the same thing. Uh, Bama's a lot. Yeah, I mean they're they're probably the next team after that. After Bama, I'd say probably Houston is the next team that people. I mean, it. I'll put it this way: Houston controls their own destiny. I'll put it that way. If they do what they're supposed to do. Um, if they, if they do what they're supposed to do, then, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll end up being a one seed after that, that fourth spot for a one seed is wide open. I think if Tennessee now, Tennessee is going to have to obviously beat Missouri next week. You know, they're going to have to win the games that they're supposed to win from here on out. Well, okay. So that's, that's good. Uh, he said, if you, Houston doesn't choke, they're a lock. But he also said, um, he, Arizona, uh, yep, they could. Arizona, I think, had a loss recently, too. Uh, they did. Um, uh, Bama's strength of schedule, 
mint common question there. We'll, we'll get to see Bama, Tennessee very soon. Um, so that'll be obviously a huge game, but let me, let me just, let me just say one thing about Houston. Cause I, again, strength of schedule matters to, to this committee. Houston has eight games left out of those eight games. Two of them are against a potential tournament team. Both games are Memphis. Memphis is the only potential tournament team in the entirety of the rest of Houston's schedule, and they have to play them twice. I, I just, if if Memphis slips up and beats them one of those games, or if, you know, heaven forbid, they lose to one of those other teams that are absolutely not tournament teams, Houston, I think, has to win out to get a one seed. If I think if they lose one game, their strength of schedule will plummet them down the, the seedings. Um, yeah. And, and he, you know, Elijah just said the same thing. That's right. Yep. Um, ah, here's an interesting question. <laughs> Would you be open for a watch party on February 15th? That's a pretty good idea. No. <laughs> 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 I have watched Alabama shoot way too many times. No. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, that's a great idea cuz it could go one of two ways. It's either going to be euphorious or we're all going to be like what's happening right now. <laughs> that's a good idea though. I, hey, we're going to keep that in mind. That's, I, I've actually already thought about next year for football games having that at least one game where we have a watch party. Um that that'd be cool. That'd be cool. Ah. <laughs> Um, get I need, the uncut I need version of all my bros. blood pressure go down before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and Elijah said we just got to pray. It's an off night for Bama. Yeah, that's right. He said I can see it being a twenty point blow. Oh, no doubt about it, buddy. Absolutely. Yeah. No it, doubt about it. All. Yep. Um. <laughs> I like that. That's good. Um. I was going to say something. It was about, oh, we were talking about the top four. So after I think if Tennessee makes a good showing the rest of the season and they, they win a couple games in the SEC tournament, then I think that they could sneak in, you know, they could be that fourth one seed. Um, <laughs> yeah, we might, uh, the uncut version of the Volbros. That's right. That, that, that Sometimes, yeah, that's right. There you go. <laughs> Um, that's pretty good. Well, you know, the good news is time's going to let us know what happens. Uh, within the next month, we will know exactly how Tennessee season plays out and it'll be fun to get on here, you know, once or twice a week and talk about it and, and prognosticate about what could happen. And, and, uh, it'll be a lot of fun because this is, Hey, this is the, this is the golden time right now in college basketball when you get to the end of February and March, oh man, like that, is there anything better than March madness? I mean, it's just, it's just a wonderful, wonderful time. Well, and again, kudos to Rick Barnes. The fact that we're arguing, if we're going to be a one or a two seed, how many people would like to be having that argument? Yeah, absolutely. 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 Uh, It's a good time to be of all. And Hey, 
hopefully Wednesday when they walk into Memorial Coliseum at Vanderbilt, hopefully it'll uh hopefully it'll be a nice little nice little win. Um Yeah, that's true. Yeah, defense travels. Um I heard uh, Jay Billis on college game day this morning. He was talking about rebounding. He he made a good point. Pat Riley, uh, one time he said, no rebounds, no rings. <laughs> I was like, that's a good point. No rebounds, no rings. And so if we keep rebounding the ball, playing good defense, there could be some rings. Well, they saw that last year in the SEC tournament. Yeah. So um, I, I will make this prediction right now. I think SEC tournament championship game will be the premier game of championship week and championship weekend because it's going to be Tennessee, Alabama. I think that's going to be a great, great game. Uh, yep. Looking forward to that one. So, and you know what? That could be if they both make it there, then you're probably looking at two number one seeds in the tournament playing each other. Man, that's good stuff. It's good stuff. Well, thank you all so much for joining us tonight. We so appreciate it. Um, and he said, uh, just got to hope we don't get matched up against a skilled big man. Oh, absolutely. Yes, you're exactly right. And he said, that's our kryptonite. Uh, totally agree. March is, March is all about matchups. It, it's 100%. Seat, seating matters, but most of seating is just dumb luck. You, you've got to get a good matchup. Yep. yep. All right, so prime example. Rustin and I are from Chattanooga. And, uh, there is, you know, back in 1996, uh, the UTC mocks made it to the sweet 16. They played Georgia in the first round. They played Illinois in the second round, lost to Providence in the sweet 16. That year when the tournament seedings came out, they were a 12 seed and, uh, everybody was looking at that and they were like, Whoa, they got a really good draw because they can beat Georgia and they can beat Illinois. And everybody's like, they can make it to the Sweet 16. Well, sure, mm -hmm. that's exactly what happened. Why? Because of matchups. It was matchups that mattered. And so, um, match, it's all about the matchups. And if you got a point guard who can make clutch free throws down the stretch, then you're in good hands. Last year we lost by Michigan. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Totally agree. Yeah. Don't get me started. <laughs> we have a skilled big man. He just has to decide he wants to yeah. play. Well, I mean, I totally agree. Uh, that, that, he's exactly right. You know, skilled big guys, they make a difference. Well, okay, look at Duke Carolina tonight. Yep. He had two really, really skilled big guys with Baycott and uh, dude for Carolina or uh, uh, Lively was the name of Duke. Yep. Duke's big guy, Lively. Mm -hmm. Man, that dude was phenomenal. He set a record tonight with most blocks against Carolina as a freshman. He had eight blocks against him. Incredible. Um, Zach said Florida won't make it. I, I agree, especially. Well, a lot of it's going to depend on tonight. Mm -hmm. um, I got a text a minute ago. Florida's a bubble team right now. They, they've still got an open door into the tournament. Um, Kentucky at one point, I don't know what the score is now, but earlier Kentucky has beaten them 22 to 11. Um, so. Yeah, that dude had eight blocks. That's insane. Absolutely. It was, it was, it was wild, man. Protecting the rim as a freshman, true freshman. That's incredible. Kentucky's awesome. up. Kentucky's up by 14 with eight minutes left. 
But here's the stunner uh, of the that's night. That's not good for Florida. That's not but here's good for the stunner of the night. Mississippi State meet, beat Missouri by 11. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Hey, Mississippi State, that could be a, a, a you know, first first four in game or something like that. Or, or I mean, last four in, I mean. And Vanderbilt, um, Vanderbilt rebounded from that beatdown and beat Ole Miss tonight. Yeah, Ole Miss was really struggling. Yeah. Um, it'd be, maybe we should do a show like later on, like in a couple weeks, and predict how many teams the SEC will get into the tournament. I I'm saying, should, should I'm saying eight right now. That's what I see. Yeah, I mean, I'm. Tennessee obviously getting in. They're going to put Kentucky in the tournament. That's going to happen. Um, yeah. Bama obviously getting in. Uh, Auburn. Auburn definitely getting in. Uh, Texas A&M. Arkansas, may, yeah, may, I got Arkansas and Texas A&M both getting in too. Arkansas, that's, that's six there. Yeah. Uh, Who am I forgetting? Did you say Maybe Missouri? Oh, Missouri. Yeah, so Missouri's the tournament team. They're going to be in the tournament. So that's and that's seven right there. Did you say Florida? I didn't say Florida yet. So I I still I think they're going to win enough down the stretch that they're going to get in. Um, tonight, tonight may be a black eye on Florida's resume. Uh, getting beat Could be. that bad, but they've got Kentucky. a quad one win. Uh, I think if Florida makes it in the tournament, they're going to have to make a deep, deep run in the SEC tournament. Because here's yeah. the deal. Here's the, here's the thing. Florida will not get a first-round bye in the SEC tournament. So they're going to have to win four – is it four games or five games? Four? Four. Four games in four days. Yeah. They're yeah. going to have to win four games in four days to to win the SEC tournament. If they make a real deep run and win like three or something, then that would be – you, you might be able to make the case that recency recency bias by the committee will um, will will get them in there, um, but that I mean we all know recency bias is a real thing. We saw that in football season, mm-hmm. um, so it could be. be Florida has a really Florida has a really strong strength of schedule, and you know they beat Tennessee. the the weird The weirdest part about this. If Florida wins a decent amount of the remainder of their games, the Tennessee win may be what gets them in the tournament because that's a quad one win that a bunch of other bubble teams won't have. I could be wrong. I think I heard tonight that, you know, right now, Joel and Artie has them in the last four out. Right. Um, or first four out, I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, I mean, that's prominently on the bubble right now. Yeah. And actually, what Elijah just said about A and M last year, I think that's another reason Florida will get in, because the committee got all kinds of grief about A and M not getting in last year, and Florida is very similar this year. Yeah, that's a good point. That was a good point bringing up A and M. Thank you, Elijah. That was a good point. I didn't think about that. Um, I'd forgotten about that. I remember that now. Everybody's like, "How in the world did they not get in?" Yeah, I remember that. Hmm. It's fun time of year. Fun time of year. Uh, it'll be it'll be good to see 
Um, <laughs> that's right, Zach. Totally agree. Whoever wins SEC tournament, they're in the bit there. And that's you're exactly right. I love it. That's what I'm talking about. That's a good one. Um, I like that. Uh, all right. Well, we appreciate everybody joining us tonight, man. This is fun. This is so much fun talking about all this stuff. I love the fact that, um, you know, I love the fact that we can interact with people all across the Southeast, probably or the world. I don't know where everybody joins from. But next time we'll, we'll, uh, well, tell us what state you're from and that kind of stuff. That'd be cool. Probably a lot of Tennessee, I'm guessing. <laughs> we know, we know we've got at least one follower in Las Vegas. We sold a That's shirt. That's exactly in Vegas. right. Hey, if you're that person, you're watching tonight from Vegas. Thank you for watching the Vol Bros. We appreciate that. Go Vols all the way in Vegas. That's what I'm talking about. Um, so we appreciate everybody joining us tonight. There is a pretty decent chance I'm going to hit the wrong button here in a minute when we end. So. <laughs> I've been I've not been batting a thousand tonight on the buttons, and so uh, if that were to happen, just ignore it. Uh, but I'm going to try to hit the right buttons here. Just chalk um, it up for a 27 percent shooting day. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So I'm already going through my head. All right, I'm going to hit that button, then I'm going to hit that button. But we'll uh, we'll see what goes on here. Uh, so thank you all so much for joining us. Hey, let people know about the Volbros. We'd really appreciate it if you text a buddy and let them know. Uh, Danny White, I know that's what he was actually referring to in his opening press conference. Um, he knew one day this would be a podcast, and he was like, You know what? You should text a buddy about those dudes. And so, thank you, Danny, for for endorsing us. Um, we appreciate that. Uh, but but please, hey, subscribe if you haven't already. Man, we're so close to a thousand subscribers, that'd be so cool because I mean, just from selfish standpoint, then we can monetize the channel and get ad revenue so that'd be cool um because they're already putting ads on our videos i don't know if you've ever seen it if like go back and watch some of our videos sometimes there's ads that show up anyway youtube's gonna make money off of us anyway so i mean if they're gonna make money off us i'd like to get a little bit of it you know uh so we'd appreciate it if you'd let your buddies know text a buddy to subscribe to the vol bros that'd be awesome watch watch and share that mark nagy interview we posted oh, yesterday man. that thing is fantastic yeah. mark is just it was awesome. so good share but, it like people need to see that thing the first 30 minutes, he was so gracious to us with his time. Mark, if you're watching this, we really appreciate you. He was so extremely gracious to us with his time. We in no way, and we thought it'd take like 30 minutes. Nah, <laughs> we talked for an hour. It was incredible. And he was so just kind and, and such a fascinating interview to hear that his insight on things, his perspective on things. And so that was a really, really, really fun show. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, go go watch that. You you will. Oh, apparently Florida's making a comeback right now. Um, that's that's what I'm talking about. Uh, that'd be a good game, maybe down the stretch there. I love good basketball, man. If it's a good basketball game, it's fun to watch. Um, so we uh we appreciate everybody joining us seriously, and uh, we'd love it if you subscribe. We're so close to a thousand. That's that's our goal right now. So we hope everybody has a great rest of your evening, a great Sunday tomorrow. And we'll probably see everybody next Wednesday. It's typically what we're doing now. So uh, we'll probably see you then. But we appreciate you. And we'll see you soon. Let's see if I hit the right buttons. <laughs>